Hello and welcome to the Saints Church Podcast. My name is Dave and I just want to invite you to get comfortable and settle in for this message that we've got from Pastor Jeremy Wolfram. Uh, it's so good to be with you and uh, uh, I'm excited to be able to bring a word um, and I, I really want to challenge you today because uh, we went into some things about the Word of God and foundations we start the year, but I actually think the next step becomes a little more difficult because it costs us something, it requires something of us of uh, even more of a commitment than our, our commitment to reading the Word and the diligence in the Word. And uh, Isaiah 56, it starts like this, verse 6 to 8, it says, Also the sons of the foreigner who join themselves to the Lord to serve him, and love the name of the Lord to be his servants. Everyone who keeps from defiling the Sabbath and holds fast to my covenant. And he's talking about at this time that what God is about to do is for everyone. This isn't just for the people of Israel. So he says, it's also for all of these other people. He says, even them, even them I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful. And look at this, in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. And the Lord God who gathers the outcasts of Israel says, yet I will gather to him others besides those who are gathered to him. And God's bringing this word that's saying, there is a place and there is a power in the prayer of my people when they gather that I will accept their offerings. I will receive them when they pour out in front of me. And this is not just for some special people. This is all who would gather, who desire to keep my covenant, to walk with me. There is something that I'm about to do. So I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, well, I want to pray. Come on. How many say, I want to pray, but let's be honest, how many of us find it quite difficult at times to actually pray? Now, I mean, I'll be the first to admit, and you might think less of me as your pastor, but maybe not. I am not the person who loves to pray for an hour, two hours at a time. That's never been me. I do it out of discipline when I feel seasons are there. I am more the person that will pray uh, intermittently in short bursts all throughout the day because I, I, I tend to find that with my personality, with uh, the way my brain works and the things that you know some of us, our brains just can do when your world is going crazy, that spurts of prayer all day long are the best thing for me, but there is also a discipline in prayer and seasons of prayer that we actually have to learn because uh, the, the spurts of prayer, the, the, the shouts out of prayer or the little prayers that we throw up actually, I believe, don't become as developed or targeted as they need to be in seasons if we've not developed a discipline of prayer in our lives. Now, have you ever done something in your life that you've You've done, and it wasn't so bad later, but when you first looked at it, maybe a project, maybe uh, something you needed to achieve, a goal you want to set, and in the beginning, it seemed like this insurmountable, daunting task. I think we've all had those. Um, I approach renovations like this, and uh, sometimes if you think too much, and, and you're like, well, I don't really know too much about this, so I can't do it, and you get all worked up and all overwhelmed. Sometimes if you just start, um, it's not as overwhelming, and uh, it's more overwhelming for my wife because what I do is I just start things, and then we're in it. It's like too bad. So last Christmas, um, I stayed home too much because we were in lockdown, all these things, and uh, I started looking around my house, and we decided we wanted to change our kitchen. So that day, I ripped out half our kitchen cabinets, 
And then we found out that everything was four months back ordered and there was no fixing what I had done. So now you're like, well, it's not overwhelming. It's just done. And then I'm like, I don't like this fireplace. And Brandy's like, that just seems like a lot of work. And we had a floor-to-ceiling stack stone fireplace in our one family room. And the wall's about 13 feet wide. And the fireplace went all across. So 13 wide by eight and a half tall. And it was all stacked stone. I'm like, nah, it's not a big deal. And I just grabbed a crowbar and a hammer and started pulling down stones from the top. And about two hours later, when Brandy came back, she had a pile of stack stone all over her couch and living room. And, and there was no more stack stone fireplace. There was just piles of stones all over our family room. Uh, and it sat that way till about a month ago when I finished the new one. And, and in the beginning, like some things you look at them and you're like, it, it can be little things. When it's out of your wheelhouse, when you don't know how to do it, it's like, you know, it's like changing the oil on your car. I mean, I used to go and take my stuff in the shop, but my dad's a mechanic, and it was like a great shame if he heard that I took my vehicle in, because he taught me how to change my oil when I was 12 years old, and uh, we did them on the vehicles, and now that I'm older and I realize that I can do it for 30% of the cost by taking 20 minutes of my time, but if you've never done that, and you're like, what if I do something wrong, and my whole engine blows up, it seems like this overmounting insurmountable thing and sometimes what you need is simply to learn be taught and just start somewhere and I think prayer is like that I think prayer is a lot more like that for people than we think it is because I think people don't always say well I have no time for prayer I don't want to pray I think they want to pray I think they genuinely want a deeper fellowship with God and a trust and a faith and be able to work that in their lives but it becomes overwhelming it becomes daunting and maybe it's because there's been a lack of teaching maybe there's been a lack of practice but I want to start with this Isaiah talked about a house of prayer where people can come and they feel the presence of God and he hears them. Uh, And and I would just go as far to say this. If we're going to be a house of prayer, we should be people who pray. Like, to me, that just kind of makes sense. A house of prayer needs people who pray. And if we're going to be people who pray, it's going to take a little bit of work, a little bit of effort on our part to get past the overwhelming, to get past the daunting task, to get into the place where we start practicing and learning how to pray and how to move forward in the things that God wants us to do. Because often when we approach prayer, we face these types of things. We come to this place and we get so overwhelmed because we're like, well, what do I pray? When do I pray? How much should I pray? When is it enough? Will I ever pray enough? When uh, will I ever compare it to someone else? Well, they're just way better at praying than I am at praying, which we, we overwhelm ourselves with all of these things. What if I pray wrong and I ask for someone to be, uh, you know, blessed and and get a new job and what if they uh they get fired instead or like you know like you've done this come on we've treated it like a genius like what if I pray the wrong thing and it's like a bad wish that you can't take back in Aladdin it's like it's like you made the wishes by mistake and I prayed the wrong thing by mistake no no we got to come back to this place where prayer is this communion with God Because we get so hung up in that, well, am I doing it wrong? Am I doing it right? Am I doing it long enough? Am I good enough? Is is this how it works? You know, why am I not seeing results? When we get caught in all of those things, it actually hinders us from the place of relationship and fellowship that God wants us to have 
in prayer. And I don't believe that people don't want to pray. I actually believe they just, for whatever reason, have not learned it or practiced it enough in practical ways so it becomes overwhelming. And what I want us to know before I get into three types of prayer I want to talk to you about today is I want you to know this. I want you to know, excuse me, that prayer takes time. Annette, I'm okay. I don't need water. I'm okay. It takes time and it calls us aside. Anything that wants to be developed, anything that grows takes time and it takes a season sometimes aside in its development stages. We don't always see it the way that we want it to. It's just like any relationship. Any relationship you want to grow and develop, it takes time. And you have to pull aside from other things to develop that relationship. And this is what Jesus modeled for us. Let's look at the scripture. So Luke chapter 5, verse 16, it says this. But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Matthew chapter 14 says this. After sending them home, he went into the hills by himself to pray, and night fell while he was there alone. This was Jesus' pattern. He would pull aside to spend time with his heavenly father. Like, Jesus was God, and he pulled aside to spend time with his holy heavenly father. After he spent all this time with the disciples, with other people, he's like, you guys need to go home, you need to rest. And Jesus said, I need to go spend time with my father. It was calling him aside. Luke chapter 9, verse 28. It says, about eight days later, Jesus now took Peter, John, and James up on a mountain to pray. So not only did it call him aside when he taught his disciples to pray, he pulled them into seasons of prayer with him so they could learn and see what the model and pattern was. And often in our lives, we fail to understand the purpose of prayer because we failed to pull aside, or when God is calling us aside, to separate from some of the things that are actually going to develop that relationship with prayer. One thing I do when I pray, um, here a lot of times by myself, uh, for whatever times, uh, I make sure I have my notepad with me because it is amazing how the minute I say I'm going to pray for an hour or 30 minutes, every meeting I missed or person I forgot to call or text or email, I can't remember those for the life of me during my workday, but when it's time to pray, uh, it's so, oh, I should text this person, I should do this, I should do that. Now, if you're praying for them, text them, hey, I'm praying for you, put your phone down, go, go actually pray for them. But having a place to write those things down to know I need to deal with these things right after, but the distraction and the things, if we know that we need to be pulled aside to develop that intimacy with God, there will always be things trying to pull us and keep us from that. And uh, Peter Wagner said this, since prayer is essentially a relationship with the Father, it takes time. It's minutes on the clock. And most of us have come to realize that this is true of our relationships to our spouses or any other relationship, but it's also true with the relationship with our heavenly Father. You know, young people, if you make your way into marriage and you're constantly saying to your spouse who says, hey, how was your day? Let's talk. Uh, I don't have time for that right now. I'll get to you when I'm done this. Talk to me after the football game or this or that. It doesn't usually go well very long. And, you know, often you find yourselves, and, and anyone who's married, you can say this, you find yourselves in seasons where you're at a deficit where you're like, man, we really just haven't communicated the way we need to, and so we kind of keep missing each other because we just haven't invested the time we need to. And, and then it's just about, it doesn't mean like, oh, no, the world's ending. The, the reality is 
You just need to set a few things aside to say, I'm going to make this more of a priority because I need to, to fix some things or develop this relationship with my partner a little bit more. And that'll happen in any relationship. That can happen in a business partnership. That can happen in a work relationship. That when you keep distance for too long or you don't communicate about the right things, there can be that feeling of angst or separation. And really what's all that's needed is the relationship needs some time to reestablish, to, to grow, to flourish. And, and this is what happens in our relationship with God. So it takes time and it calls us aside. But I also want you to know about prayer, that prayer is something that is developed and learned. Um, you know, we do this, uh, uh, I, I can't even remember who said this, but often people come to, people get saved, uh, give their life to Jesus, and uh, sometimes what happens is they're at a, a crusade or a, a special meeting, and thank God for those. I appreciate those things. And then the person at the end stands and says, okay, now find a good church, read your Bible, and pray. That's like telling a baby in the hospital, congratulations, you were born, putting him in a crib. Now find some good parents, learn how to eat, and build healthy relationships so you're a decent human being throughout life. You know, we, we put ourselves at a, at a deficit or at a place of not understanding because why? We've refused to develop our prayer life or learn. And so when you are a new Christian, when even you've been around church for a while, if you've never learned or no one's taught you how to pray, well, you can't expect people to know what they don't know. And so sometimes it just takes time and it takes learning. And prayer is one of those things that is developed and learned. Um, in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, it says this. It says, once Jesus was in a certain place praying, and as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. Now that's a wise disciple. Like right there in that moment, the disciple saw something in Jesus that he realized he needed in his life. And rather than just saying, man, I'll never be like Jesus. Well, you're right. You know, I'll, you'll never be the son of God. But we can learn, we can develop, we can be taught by Jesus. And he said, Lord, would you teach us to pray as John taught his disciples to pray? And Luke chapter 11 goes into this big, long thing. This is where we see the Lord's Prayer. And so you can use the Lord's Prayer as a pattern. I could teach through that for like six weeks. We don't have time today. Uh, but then verse 5 in Luke chapter 11 says, Then teaching him more about prayer, he used this story. So he, in teaching him to pray, he goes through the Lord's Prayer, which has all of these pieces of gold on how you approach God and what you should pray for and dealing with your own heart and then praying for others and all of this stuff. And then he finishes that and he goes, and then he taught them more about prayer and he goes into this story about a person who needs bread and he goes to his neighbor's house and he's not knocking and knocking, and the person's ignoring him, and he just keeps knocking, and finally the person opens the door and gives him what he needs, and then he goes into this passage where he says, you know, you need to keep asking, you need to keep seeking, you need to keep knocking, and the premise of this comes back to the place where we realize that this is not God trying to withhold from people. We have a heavenly father that wants to give good gifts to his children, but sometimes we have not because we ask not, and we stop approaching him in prayer, so we stop receiving the things we need for our hearts, for our minds, for our lives. And, and so what Jesus teaches people in the pattern of prayer is he says, there's a way to pray. There's a persistency in your prayer. And, and there is a continuation that this keeps going on and on and on. And you know, you can't learn what you're not asking about and you don't learn what you're not taught. 
When a little child starts learning how to speak, we think it's cute some of the words that they mispronounce and how they can't string a sentence together. That's cute till they go to school. Then you pray your children feel confident and they, they get it together and they learn. And, and, you know, Brandy and I laugh all the time about things that our kids used to say wrong or, or whatever. But there's a development in language where learning how to string a sentence together where, you know, at, at a certain age, the kid says more or please. And, you know, we just, oh, that's so cute. Then finally they hit a stage like, you need to say this. Can I please have some more? And then the kid just like, more. Well, no, it doesn't work that way. There's a right way to, and we teach them and we lead them. And then sometimes we think this though. Often, we don't ever approach our Bibles or our prayer life in a way that we're actually being taught by God how to have a relationship with him, how to learn from him. And Luke chapter 11, verse 13 says this. It says that he helps by giving us good gifts. And the amazing thing in the story when the guy's knocking, seeking, asking, and then he goes into this other story where it says, which of you having a son who asks for a loaf of bread uh, you know, gives him a stone, and if you ask for a fish, you give him a scorpion. Like, no, even you foolish, worldly people will give good gifts to your children. How much more does your heavenly father want to give good gifts to you? But this is what amazed me. The good gift he promises was not tangible or physical. If you read Luke chapter 11, verse 13, it says, so if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give, look at this, the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? God doesn't just give us the things we need. He does do that. It's in the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. But he gives us the Holy Spirit to keep seeking, to keep asking, to know what our heart needs, to be taught and to learn all throughout our lives. So what we need to know is that prayer calls us aside. It sets us apart. It's developed and it's learned. But what does that mean then? How do I practically learn how to pray? Well, today I want to leave you with three areas that I think we can all learn, develop, and grow in when it comes to prayer. Because I think when we actually lean into these things, these types of prayer, it's going to change our hearts and it's going to change our perspective and what God wants to do. So now, you might have questions after this. Feel free to ask me. This is a learning process. For some of us, it's going to be like, whoa, that's a lot of information. I got about 60 scriptures left. No, not quite maybe 25. But I want us to learn, and I believe that God is calling us to develop in three prayer areas. There are so many more that we could dive into, but three areas for us as believers. And the first one is this. Everyone say, prayer with my understanding. With your understanding. One of the ways we're called to pray in the Bible is praying with our understanding. I want you to understand this. Prayer has a secret place, but prayer also has a voice. So when you say, God knows my heart, God knows what I need even before I ask him, absolutely 100% true. But there is an avenue of prayer that is vocal, it is intentional, it is communicative with God. That's why Jesus said when he said about the Lord's Prayer, he says, when you pray, say. And there needs to be a development in our lives, in the prayer, in our understanding of learning to say, God, this is how I praise and honor you. This is who you are. This is what I need from you. This is what I need in my heart. This is what I'm struggling with. These are the things I need to lay before you. Psalms chapter 5, verse 1 to 3 says this. It says, give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. So here's what the psalmist says. 
God, you're listening to what I say and what I meditate on in my heart. It's both end. So prayer has that secret place, but it all has a voice. It says, give heed to the voice of my cry, my King and my God, for to you I will pray, my voice you shall hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning I will direct it to you, and I will look up. So the psalmist clearly indicates there is a meditation of your heart where you're constantly praying, you're thinking about the things of God, but there is a vocal aspect where there are times I need to vocalize and, and spend that time communicating with you, God, and there is a prayer in your understanding. So when I say prayer in the understanding, pray with the words that you know. Pray in your known language. Pray with your lips. Ask God for the things that you need. It's like when my kids come to me and say, Dad, where's mom? I, I like, and I swear, I'm not picking my kids. Say, uh, she's somewhere else. What do you need? Uh, it's okay. I'll wait for mom. But here's the truth. If they would vocalize to me what they need or the question they have, there is a higher chance that I can help them than if they say, no, I'm choosing not to vocalize right now. And that's just a simple example. But sometimes we do that with God. Well, God knows what I need, but have you talked to him about it? Have you prayed to him about it? Have you spoken out loud what you need, got it off your heart, out of the inside, and waited for a response from God? You see, Luke uh, 11, 2a says, he said to them, when you pray, say, there is a voice to prayer. Acts chapter 4, verse 24 said this, and here is my argument for when we pray together, when we speak out loud in church, when we pray, it should be loud, it should be vocal. Because you know why people don't come to prayer meetings? Because when we sit in a circle and nobody prays, it's awkward. <laughs> it's quiet. It's like, oh my gosh, if no one says anything soon, Pastor Jeremy's going to ask me to pray out loud. But if we were all here and you let the music play and you just say, God, I'm just going to pray and you just focus on you and God and not so loud that you're trying to overpower them, prayer works that way. And in Acts chapter 4, verse 24, it says, when they heard this, they heard the report. It says, they raised their voices in prayer together towards God. Prayer is a corporate thing just as much as it is a personal thing. It is to be done together. And you might not be saying the same things, but there is a power and a faith and things that build when we pray together in our understanding and direct our voices towards God to call out for the same things, for different things, to praise him, to lift him up. And people notice when we pray because God is being magnified and lifted up. So one area we can learn and develop when it comes to prayer, it's prayer and our understanding. But the second area which would benefit a lot of us and is helpful in our prayer lives, is prayer in the Spirit. Prayer in the Spirit. You see, prayer in the understanding, prayer in the Spirit, and there's another one I'm going to talk about today, they're all part of the package. Jesus taught on so many different things. Paul taught a lot on prayer in the Spirit in the New Testament. And I want you to know this. So now for some of you, as you, you, soon as I say prayer in the Spirit and I start talking about speaking in tongues, some of you, based on your background, your experience, you're like, I don't know. I really don't know. That's okay. Because what I want you to know is where in the past, where maybe damage has been done, that this is the only way to pray and spirit. No, it is an avenue of prayer, in which I believe is biblical and a very effective one. But it's not like, a, oh, I'm lesser than if I don't right now or am. I actually believe that God calls all believers into these areas and to grow and develop. And God releases these abilities and he helps us grow through them. So don't get so clammed up right yet. But I want you to know that prayer in the spirit can be an effective avenue 
for all believers. Now, speaking in tongues in the New Testament was manifest in two ways. It was both corporately for the church in 1 Corinthians 12, in a message in tongues, like prophecy, anything else. And there's a form, a function, and an order to it. But 1 Corinthians 14 also talks about speaking in tongues for personal prayer life and ministry in the life of the believer. Both are valuable, both should be honored, and both need to learn how to be handled appropriately. But God calls us to grow in the avenues that he has for us, and prayer in the Spirit is one of those things. And what I want you to understand is that what prayer in the Spirit brings is not a weirdness or a craziness to Christianity. It's actually about three things in your personal life, okay? It's about personal edification. It's about excellent praise. And it's about deeper intercession. Personal edification. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 4 says this, a person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally, but one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. So if I get up here and I speak a word of prophecy, you will all understand it, and it edifies everyone. But when I pray in tongues, it edifies my spirit, and it leads me into a place in my prayer life with God. And corporately, if there's a message in tongues, there has to be an interpretation. But in your personal prayer life, there is a communication with God that edifies you, that speaks on your behalf, that grows as you grow in your prayer life with God. Jude Verse 20, Jude does not have 20 chapters, but verse 20 in the only book, in only chapter in Jude, it says, but you, beloved, build yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. You want to build yourself up. You want to encourage yourself. Sometimes praying in the Spirit is the best thing you can do because you don't know why you're feeling why you're feeling. You don't know what's going on, but there is a personal prayer language that God releases upon people, and as you grow in that and develop that, praying in the Spirit can build up your own heart, your own faith, and bring you to a place of personal edification in your walk with God. So here's the deal. If you're walking down the street and you're like, I just want to pray for you, and you lay your hands on someone, you just start speaking in tongues, they're going to think you're crazy because they don't understand so maybe you pray in tongues the whole time till you walk up to a person, then you say, hey, I'm gonna pray with my words. What can I pray for you for? And pray with what you know. Because God uses both. They are avenues of prayer in our lives. So it's personal edification, but prayer in the spirit is also about uh, excellent praise. In Acts chapter two, verse 11, it says, we hear them speaking in our own tongues, wonderful works of God. In Acts 10, verse 46 says, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Now, I still believe this. Often, um, my wife didn't get saved till she was older in life, and you walk into a church, and people are praying, and you hear people praying in tongues, and your first thought is, they're crazy. And then the next thing is, what is God doing? There's something different about this, that the Holy Spirit works in someone's heart and draws them. Sometimes we worry so much about how we look that we're actually not letting the Holy Spirit work in the hearts and lives of people. Because in the very book of Acts, when this was poured out, when this happened, the people who heard and saw it, there was an amazement in them to what God was doing. And there were people that thought they were crazy and drunk too. But the New Testament apostles and the leaders learned that the Holy Spirit has to work this out. Because if the Holy Spirit is doing it, the Holy Spirit is going to work in people's lives. And our job is to praise the Lord, to magnify his name, to lift him up. And sometimes, I don't know about you, I can talk a lot, but I run out of words. So when I'm singing, when I'm praising, when I'm worshiping, sometimes praying in the Spirit, singing in the Spirit just gives another way for my spirit to honor God, to lift him up. And the Bible says that it brings excellent praise. It magnifies God. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 15 gives us a disclaimer for this though. Well then, what should I do? I will pray in the spirit 
and I also will pray with words that I understand. I will sing in the Spirit, and I also sing with words I understand. For if you praise God only in the Spirit, how can those who don't understand you praise God along with you? How can they join you in giving thanks when they don't understand what you're saying? You will be giving thanks. This is what Paul wrote very well. He says, there is, a, there is an amazing praise towards God when you pray in the Spirit, but it won't strengthen the people who hear you. So prayer in the Spirit and praise in the Spirit, this is for you. This is for your relationship with God. So it's uh, personal edification, it's excellent praise, but it also comes down to this, new levels of intercession in prayer. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 2 says this, For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands him. However, the Spirit, in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. When you feel a burden on your heart for someone, a friend, a person, a family member, and you don't know why. Sometimes you're not supposed to pick up the phone and pry. Sometimes you're simply to get down on your knees right where you are and say, God, I don't know what's going on, but I feel this burden for them. I don't know what to pray for them, so I'm going to pray in the Spirit. I'm going to believe that you know what they need, and you have asked me to intercede, to stand with them in this moment, in this time, on their behalf. And we learn how to intercede and stand in the gap for people. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 14 and 15 says, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is the conclusion then? I will pray in the spirit, and I will also pray with the understanding. The amazing thing to me is I can pray in the spirit. And I'll tell you this. I speak in tongues all the time, and it gets me in trouble, especially at the mall, because I'll be doing it under my breath, and then people think I'm talking to them. So I can be totally thinking about something else, but praying over a situation that I know I need to be dealing with in the church or in someone's life or my family. And, and it's like, it's, it's so weird how you can kind of do both, but it's like, it's just a way that I'm like, okay, God, this burden's on my heart. So I'm going to be praying this way as I go about my day. So I still do my job. I still go drive my kids to where they need to be. But constantly I have this intercession going on in the background that's like, God, I need you to break through in this situation because I actually don't know how to fix it. I don't even know how to approach you with this situation, God. And it brings a level of intercession. Romans chapter 8, verse 26 and 27 says this. Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which, which cannot be uttered. So now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. When you intercede and you pray in the Spirit, you're praying according to the will of God for the situation. Because sometimes in our understanding, God, I want a million dollars and my house paid off, and a new, like, because I'm stressed about money, all this thing. We can pray that, but I don't know if that's the will of God. Do you know if that's the will of God? You hope it's the will of God. But when you pray in the spirit and you develop that, you're saying, God, I'm submitting my heart, my tongue, my mind, my will to say, I need you to move in this situation. And God, I'm going to trust you however you move, not how I want you to move. And I'm going to intercede and I'm going to let you speak through me. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18 says, uh, pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Okay, you still with me? So say, we pray with our understanding. Just say understanding, the Spirit. Now this is, this is our least favorite. Third avenue of prayer I really feel that God would call us to develop and grow in. Fasting prayers. Oh Lord Jesus, now you had to involve food. 
It's almost lunchtime, and we got a message on fasting prayers. It's like, I got a, I got a chicken in the crock pot at home. I'm not fasting today. No, fasting prayers. Fasting prayers are important because there is something about submitting a hunger or an appetite or things that we chase in this life for a season to say, God, I'm going to redirect that hunger and that appetite and that desire for those things towards you. So food is the most common thing we think of when we fast because you eat every day. So it puts a, a trigger in your heart and your mind that when you choose to go into a season of fasting prayers, that God, I am going to miss this meal to set aside, be called aside, to pray, to intercede, and deepen my hunger for you. And trust me, when you finish praying in that half hour, hour at lunchtime, you will be hungry the rest of the afternoon, and you will remember why you're seeking God all afternoon until you eat at supper time. And it does something in our heart and our spirits when we commit to fasting and praying. Now, I, I've been there before as a young person, as a young pastor. Are you fasting? We would go into seasons of fasting and prayer as pastors. And I'd hear people say all the time, well, I, I missed lunch today, so I guess I'm fasting. No, 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 no. That doesn't, oh, I skipped a meal, so I fasted. No, it's about the intentionality. So it's not about what you skip so much or how long you pray. It's that you took something's place to seek God. For some of you, oh man, don't want to go there. But your entertainment might be the thing that I need to set this down or aside for a season, an hour, a time. And when I would normally do that, I'm going to pray. Like, I mean, that convicts me. Every time you go pick up your phone for something mindless, what if you put it down and said it's time to pray instead? Oh my gosh, that scares some of us. Right? What if, what if these moments that we spend doing not bad things even, but times where we could be more productive in things, we say, God, I am going to separate from this right now because it's something I enjoy, it's good in my life, and I'm going to actually take those moments in that time and I'm going to pray because it's something that I can sacrifice and give up because you've asked me to and I need to be more intentional with you. For some people, it might be a TV show. You watch every week, and it's half an hour or an hour long, and maybe God tweaks on your heart. Give me that hour for this season of time. Only you can answer God on that, but I tell you, if you are obedient to him, he will do something in your life. I remember being a young pastor, and we had young adults certain nights a week, and I knew there was something wrong when I was worried if the service would go long because I would miss my favorite show, and this is before I had PVR and all of these things. And that's when I felt the Holy Spirit say, that, that show's done for you now. Not because it was bad, but because you are, care more about it than what I'm going to do in this meeting, in this moment, in this time. And it's actually causing you to rush away from me rather than draw you close to me. And I had to submit some things in that season. Now, word of advice, when God convicts you of something, or this is not like youth camp where one person's like, God told me to stop doing this, and then you tell all your friends they have to stop doing the same things. No, if God didn't speak to them both. So if God's like, don't watch When Calls the Heart anymore. My wife's like, no. <laughs> you can't go, if he tells me that, I can't go tell everyone else this is what God said. Well, that's what God said for me. Right? And... And so when it comes to fasting, your hungers and desires in life and the things that drive you and the things that you chase will be different than the things that drive me and the things that I try to find my escape or my entertainment or my relaxation in. And sometimes, so we have to be willing to say, God, 
I need your Holy Spirit to show me. And, and we will feel called to seasons of fasting in order to put our focus and our attention on God. So one way to do this, uh, one of the most famous fasts in the Bible is the Daniel fast. And Daniel went 21 days, but he only ate fruits, vegetables, uh, no like wheat, carbs, uh, or meat. And you ask me to give up meat and bread, it's like I might as well shrivel up and die. But hey, when it, for 21 days, every time you go to eat a meal, you realize, God, this is a season where I'm supposed to be focusing on you. What it does is it triggers a hunger and a remembrance that God wants to pull you close and you can draw closer to him. Um, Mark chapter 9, verse 28 to 29, we're going to wrap up here right away. I'll have the band come back up. It says, when he had come to the house, his disciples asked him, why could we not cast it out? So he said to them, this kind can only come out uh, can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. So there was a story and there's a situation here where the um, disciples approached this man whose son was in a very, very bad place. He would go into these, uh, you know, it was, it was a demon, but he would go into these things where he would go into these convulsions, uh, something would take over, the boy would jump into a fire or into the water, all these things, and, and this dad's just trying to protect his kid, and, and the disciples, they're doing their best, they're trying to pray for him, they're trying to, to, to do this, and, and then Jesus comes, and he deals with it, and the disciples ask, they're like, Lord, like, we're learning from you, we're growing, but why, why couldn't we handle this? And Jesus says, this, this, this type of thing can only be dealt with by prayer and fasting. There's a, there's a deeper level, there's a deeper authority, there's something that you need to know about who you are in God and what God wants to do in these situations. But it comes at a cost. It comes at you separating yourselves and strengthening yourself to deal with these things. And what I want you to know about this is that there are some battles and some seasons in life. There are some measures of faith that you would like to have which can only be gained or overcome through seasons of fasting prayer. Because God is big enough God is more than enough. But sometimes in our own heart, in our own spirit, our own desires, our own insecurities, our own discouragement, our own failures overwhelm us to the point that we face the battles and we kind of fold and pull back because we don't have the strength to face them and overcome. And so when Jesus says this to the disciples, it's not this condemnation thing, but there, there's this idea that there is a deeper level of relationship there is a strength you can find there is a strength that you're going to need in a season for God to move for you to overcome for you to keep doing what you're called to do and, and these types of prayers this fasting prayer teaches us how to hold on to God in difficult times how to strengthen ourselves in the midst of adversity how to overcome when we need to fight a battle because we were ready beforehand one of the greatest examples of this was Daniel in Daniel chapter 10. He went into another season of prayer and fasting and he was deeply agonized. He was deeply troubled and he went into this and for 21 days he's fasting and praying and the answer is not coming and he doesn't know what's going on. And then in Daniel chapter 10 verse 12 he gets this word. This angel comes and he says, don't be afraid Daniel. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and humble yourself before God, your request has been heard in heaven. Now that's a word for some of us. Since the very first moment you started to pray, God's heard you in heaven, but 
but some seasons, some battles, the fallenness of this world, the enemy's attack on your life doesn't let up. He says, I've come in your answer to prayer, but this, he says, for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way, and then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me. And there's this picture that there is a spiritual fight going on for your mind, your will, your emotions, your family. And there needs to be seasons of fasting and prayer where we hold on to God, where we deepen our faith. Why? Because God wants us to know that he hears us, but there is a warfare going on and we need to be those that are ready to fight. We need to be those that are strong enough to hold on, to trust God, because not every battle breaks in a day. So this is why prayer is so important. So I don't know about you, but I want to pray. But sometimes I get distracted. I don't know about you, I want to pray, but sometimes I get really discouraged. I don't know about you, I I want to pray, but sometimes I don't know what to say. I, I don't know about you, I want to pray, but sometimes it just doesn't seem like there's enough time in the day. I don't know about you, I want to pray, but sometimes I feel like when I come before God, all I'll feel is broken and not strong enough, but I want you to know today, God wants you to pray. He wants you to draw close. He wants to draw close to you. He wants to strengthen your hand, strengthen your heart, and we can become those who walk as the people of God. Why? Because we choose to pray. We choose to learn, we choose to develop, we choose to set ourselves aside, and we grow in prayer and our understanding, we grow in prayer in the spirit, and we grow in fasting prayers. And you don't have to condemn yourself when you're not perfect in it. You just gotta come back to the place where you say, God, I want to pray, and I'm gonna choose to take the next step, and I'm gonna choose to keep drawing close to you. Why don't we stand this morning? Well, hey, thanks for tuning in to the Saints Church Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can head to saintschurch.ca where you can find information about who we are as well as service times, locations, and more online content. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.